Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethany North. So nice to have so many of you with us here at the 930 service. Really excited to share with you kind of a unique Easter message this morning as we conclude uh, Psalm 23, which is on the front of your bulletin. We'll be preaching over the last phrase that I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And also talking about Jesus' uh, pre-resurrection on the cross with a criminal on his left and right. Uh, and the hope would be that for everyone this morning, whether you've been a lifelong follower of Jesus or still kind of seeing where you are at in the journey with Christ, that you would find your own story present this morning, that the God of the universe would long to come and build a house that you would dwell in, give your life meaning, purpose, and certainty. Let's pray and we'll begin. Lord God, thank you for this morning, Easter Sunday. What a celebration, what a joy. Thank you for all that have attended, and we pray that you will be proclaimed now boldly, Lord. We love you. Thank you for coming to earth and Jesus uh, living a perfect life and dying on Good Friday and coming alive on this day over 2,000 years ago so that we would know uh, how to build our life in you. In your name we pray, amen. Your message this morning is called Dwell Forever. Dwell Forever. Again, we look at the last phrase there from Psalm 23, a poem, the greatest poem ever written by King David. Uh, about how do we live a life of intentionality, dwell forever. If I were to ask you, what is your life built on, how might you answer that question? What is your life built on? Well, as you think about that, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I'm 43, but earlier in life, I I thought that my life might be built on a premise of being known by others, maybe even fame. I wanted to be, you know, a famous athlete, but of course we all did when we were young. And then maybe political science in a very misguided season of my life. And then, you know, uh, maybe as a writer, write the great American novel, or maybe be an actor. My wife and I moved to Los Angeles in 1999, and while I was trying to start a career as a screenwriter, I became an extra an extra is someone where you, you literally are just an extra on the set every day. Every day you get a new marching order, a new location, a new shoot, and you walk silently in the background, pretending to be something else, pretending to be someone else. Often they tell you to talk without even making sound. You're literally playing make-believe. And the pay is peanuts, but the payoff is someone will see me, I'll get known, this will parlay into some sort of future glory. And there was, you know, I was a couple weeks in, and I was already kind of, you know, souring on this whole extra experience, and I got called into the Warner Brothers lot. Now, Warner Brothers uh, it sits on the edge of Burbank, And we were shooting in September. It must have been 100 degrees in Burbank that day. But we were shooting a show called Provincetown, uh, made to look like January in Provincetown, Massachusetts. So we were bundled up, scarves, wool hats, wool coats, walking back and forth. We were in the back room, and the casting director came in and said, well, there's no one of any talent here. Let's just shoot the street scene. And it's like hey, thanks a lot, you know, I thought I'm on my way to fame and glory. And so for six bloody hours, we walked back and forth on the Warner Brothers lot while they were shooting what ended up being about 10 seconds of this hour-long show, I kid you not, six hours back and forth, sweating profusely, miserable, the entire set, it's, you know, it looks good, but there's, there's nothing of any substance there. Driving home that day was one of like kind of a breaking point. Like this is no way to build a life. There's no place for me at that lot in that place in that season. There's no place to build a life there. There's nothing real. It's not real. And as we segue to the text this morning, 
As, as we look at this Psalm 23, if we think about Jesus on the cross, the transition to the Easter story is Jesus came to earth to live, to die, to come alive at resurrection, you know, merely for this or purely for this, this, this like, hey, I came for the real thing that they would have real life and have it abundantly. No more sets, no more veneer, no more fake. I came that my people would have a real life to build their life in, a, a house of God that they could, they could live with me and I would live in them. And so we hearken back 2,500 years where David the psalmist, the end of Psalm 23, wrote, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was the author. He was a king. He had notoriety. He had family. He had riches. But he knows that above anything else, the dwelling place to build a life was in God. That's where a real life could be built. David lived this exemplary life over God's own heart. How? By dwelling in God's house. He had a home. His home was in God. And so two parts of our message this morning we'll just use to kind of frame our discussion ahead. These two words from David, dwell forever. That, that as we follow God, we have this promise that God says we will dwell with him forever. Let's look at part one, dwell. Dwell isn't a word we use all the time anymore in our, in our common English, but dwell is to be provided, to have sustenance, to have a shelter. It's often also a communal word. No one dwelt in David's time alone. No one dwelt alone. There was no lone rangers back in these days. And so to dwell means to be settled with. So David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. He's saying, in every season, it's faith in my good shepherd and my God. I want to build my life. I'm tired of trying to build it on my own or on my fame or my notoriety or my accomplishments. David says, I want to build my life in God's house. I want to dwell in God that in any season, I will have something to sustain me, something real to build a life on. And the thing, the reality is with our world is we often try to build a life that looks good from the outside, but doesn't have much depth or sustenance. We're busy chasing after the good life, which is good, but it's, it's often hard to know when we've arrived. What's the depth that our life actually possesses? Well, that's because of the nature of sin, that that was never going to be God's story, but sin entered the world at the beginning and things got distorted. It was harder to build a life with God. It was harder to know when my life had purpose and meaning. It was distorted by sin. And David said, no, I, I, I'm done with the distortion. I want to live a real life that has real value. I'm tired of the fake. I'm tired of the veneer, of the cardboard, of, of looking good from the outside, but no sustenance. When you think about kind of a fake house, there's no better story to exemplify this than a true story from history from this guy, Gregory Potemkin. 1787, Gregory Potemkin was, was kind of a shyster. And the Russian empress, Catherine II, had previously had a relationship with Potemkin, but that's a different story for a different day. But uh, uh, what's her name? Her name is Catherine II. Uh, she just acquired some new lands in Russia. And so in 1787, you know, the empress was coming to these new lands and she wanted to see what progress Potemkin had made with building, building settlements, building jobs, building foundations. She just acquired the land. She's like, let's see what you've done, Gregory Potemkin. But here's the thing that Potemkin really did in 1787. 
Instead of building some infrastructure or something good, or even the lay foundations that he could say to, to the empress, hey, you know, we're building something, he started to just build these Potemkin villages. He literally framed up along the river that Catherine II would travel fake houses, fake banks, fake municipalities, all of it two inches thick. He literally hired actors to walk, extras to walk back and forth in these Russian countrysides, pretending they were these well acclimated people. And it worked for a while where Catherine came down the river and she said, Wow, Gregory Potemkin, you've built something magnificent here in southern Russia. But like all things with just the veneer, the truth came out. The truth always comes out. That though we try to build the outside of a life, a life in God says, I will protect you beyond any fake dwelling that you try to take up residence in. This is what David says. This God, this shepherd, this one who sets a table for me and wants to be with me, I can dwell in his house. I can dwell in his house with him. He's a good God and a good house where we can build our life with him. Uh, you know, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this, this is a big day. This is Easter Sunday. This is for a pastor. This is Super Bowl Sunday. You know, this is a big deal, right? And, and for many years, we would talk about as pastors, like on Easter, it's like, we want to save souls. We're going to preach meaning to people because people feel lost. That was kind of the modern construct that if people, if we could help them find their identity in God, then they would help, you know, become believers in God. But the reality with postmodernism, the the reality with our cell phones, you walk around downtown Seattle, are you lost? No, I'm not lost. I've got Siri, right? No, we're never lost. But you walk around now in postmodern Seattle and say, but are you lonely? People say, ah, yeah, I dwell often alone. Even if I'm not alone, like I might have family in my house or roommates, but I can often feel so, so alone. This word dwell is where Jesus promises as we follow him, he will never leave us nor forsake us. There'll still be lonely patches because of the nature of sin. But the promise, the good promise from this good God is as we dwell in him, we will never be lonely again. This is what Eugene Peterson, his message paraphrase, says of Psalm 23. God, your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life, and I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Dwelling with God is the most satisfying and purposeful thing that any of us will ever experience. Dwell forever. The second word that David says here, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The problem for many of us, forever has lost a lot of its foreverness, right? Like, what's forever anymore? It's certainly nothing we can buy because, you know, anything we buy has such a quick shelf life. It's for many of us in the room, it's not relationships. Sadly, it's not even with family for many of us. We've known loss and brokenness even with our own families. But here David says this house of God, this place where we can in faith say, God, I'll dwell with you. It's the one forever we'll ever know. Forever in Hebrew is an interesting word. It literally just means a length without end. It's the biggest word that David could could muster up. So David says, I want to dwell with you, God, forever. And it reminds us of Jesus' story here on the last day that was just read for us. That as Jesus died, there was a criminal on his left and the right. 
And these criminals were stuck seeing, one was stuck seeing kind of the, the nature of his brokenness and the reality of his, his worthless home that he had built. And the other could see in Christ a way out. Look at verse 28 through 41 of Luke 23. One of the criminals who hung hurled the insults at Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And the other criminal rebuked the first. Don't you fear God, he said? We're under the same sentence. We're punished justly. We're getting, we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man's done nothing wrong. He, he sees in Jesus a new life, a forever life. Who was this man, this faithful criminal, this faithful thief? Some traditions say that his name was Dismas. Some suggest that he was a thief who robbed or killed in the desert, that he was probably guilty here of capital punishment in the first century because he shed another's blood. Well, that's interesting. That this man, in search of something real, stole life from someone else. What's stealing your joy right now? What's stealing your hope? What's stealing your peace? This morning, God speaks into that space and says, I see you. Come and build a life with me. Remember the life I want to build with you. And these two criminals, one can see it and one can't. The first criminal, he was aware of his brokenness. He's the one that can kind of see some goodness in Christ. And the second one was just unaware of brokenness. He's proud to the end. The first criminal was hopeful to the second one's skepticism. The first criminal was searching beyond something he could see there dying on the cross. And the second was trapped in his bitterness. All good journeys start with a search for something new and something good and someplace to build my life. I want to search, and God, will you promise to find me? The scriptures are full of good searching stories where Jesus tells stories of people that feel lost being found in him. I had this experience in high school where for, uh, for a special gift, my parents gave me, at 14, a freshman, a little bit awkward, I'll be honest with you. Just a little, I know it's impossible to believe right now, but totally awkward at 14, freshman. My parents gave me four tickets for the hottest show in town. Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant were playing the Tacoma Dome in 1989. And I didn't have one ticket. No, I didn't have two. I had four. Now, my parents probably assumed that I'd bring a buddy and invite the two of them. No, 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 no. My buddy and I, both 14, he's more awkward than me, certainly. And I tell him that all the time. We hatched this plan. Four tickets, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. We will parlay this to glory. We invited two senior cheerleaders from the Capitol High School cheerleading. And I don't know how we, we tricked them, but they said, yeah, sure, we love Michael W. Smith. Friends of friends forever. You remember, right? Change your life. So they say, yeah, we have four tickets. They've got a car. They've got, you know, letterman's jackets. We had nothing. I was dreaming of marrying one of these girls, having a dog and a white picket fit. I could see it all. But I, the night before the show, as I kind of scurried to the safe place where I had the tickets, there were no tickets. I couldn't find them anywhere. I was crazy beside myself. I tore my desk apart. I, I, I was sickened. My entire future, remember, I was going to marry this woman. Like, all of it coming crashing down. Until I looked and looked and looked. All good things start with a search. And sure enough, behind the drawers, I pulled it out. There they were. They got, you know, tickets to the show. Now, I got to tell you, the next night, the show failed to live up to my expectations. I never married the girl. Like, we went on to awkward freshman year. Different story for a different day. The point is, all good things start with a search. 
And Jesus this morning is coming to speak with you to say, I'm still searching for you. How? That sounds good, but what does that mean? It means set up residence in God. Say, Lord God, I want to follow you forever. I want to dwell with you. I want to dwell with you. And Jesus is coming through the noise of our life this morning to remind us, I'm still searching for you. I'm still searching for you. I want you to be known and build a life in me. I'm still searching for you. That's what the the thief on the cross could see. And then he said here in verse 42 of Luke 23, this, this criminal who's able to see in Christ a new life even in his last hours, he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus answered him, even as he died, Jesus, full of grace and mercy and truth, says, truly, I tell you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Amazing. And so I ask you again, church, what's your life built on? What's your life built on? Jesus, this morning, wants you to know you can come home. Come home. Build a life in him, with him. Come home. And if you need that good news for the first time, come home. And you need a reminder of a life that feels very far this morning. Jesus wants you to hear, come home. This is the gospel story, that we know without Christ, my life will be empty and broken and fake dwelling. But in Christ, we can pray, Lord Jesus, I want to build my life in you. Will you build your life in me? And that Jesus puts his thumbprint into our lives and says, yes, forever forever, length without end. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never walk alone forever. Dwell forever. How? In him. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to call the band back up and we're going to just pray in just a moment. C.S. Lewis has this beautiful quote. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And some of us this, this morning need a new ending. We need a new reminder that, that God's active and wanting to build something with my life. He's not forgotten me. I'm never too far for his grace and love and mercy. And so I want you to just think about where are you at in this story this morning? For some of you, like, you know, I think I, think I want to dwell with Jesus for the first time or in a new way. I've been drifting. And so what I'd love us to do right now in the quietest round space, I'm not going to ask you to get up and move around, but I would like us to, to bow our heads right now. And in just a moment, if, if God is doing a work in your heart, I'm going to ask us why we pray, that we would just, in the silence of our own seat, that we would just lift our hand up and make an acknowledgement to God in heaven of what's going on in my own heart, that the transformation of asking God to set up residence in my life, it's going to be internal, but I'm going to raise my hand and count to three because I want... I want I want God to see what's happening inside my heart. And so if that's you this morning, God's doing a new work and you want to be touched by God in a new way, on the count of three, I'm going to have you raise your hand. One. Why do we raise our hand anyway? It's to merely show the outside what our inside is already experiencing. Two. And when I count to three, if God is, is calling on you this morning to give your life over and heart over to him in a new way that he could build a life in you, I want you to raise your hand silently with your heads bowed. Three, would you raise your hand if God has done a new work in your heart? There's so many people. God, is, God sees you. God sees your little hands. There's little hands and big hands. Young hands and old hands. Praise be to Jesus. God's saying this morning you can come home.
come home. As we continue to pray, Lord God, all of us in the room, lifelong followers of Jesus and people this morning making a new commitment, Lord, we want to pray in our silence of our own hearts these words of David. Lord, today we'll dwell in your house. Make it forever. Lord God, do a new work in us. Remind us, build into us. Tear down the old Potemkin villages and build something new and alive and fresh. We need your life. And all God's people said, amen. You know, I'd I'd love to encourage you sometime here in the next 10, 15 minutes, if God did a new work in your heart today, I would love you to fill out on the back of this Connect card. You can just say, hey, I became a follower of Jesus today or or renewed my commitment. I'd love you to leave this at the welcome table or there's little drop boxes as you leave because we want somebody from the church to call you this week and just say, hey, what do you need? How do we walk with you? What's next? We're in this together. Will you stand with us as we close in song? We have prayer team people down front that would pray with you during worship now or at the end of the worship service. Let's stand and we'll sing two response songs. And may these words of David will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May they be our words. May we be mindful. Jesus' story didn't end on the cross. He died on Friday. He came alive on Sunday. The grave cannot hold Jesus back. And so anything holding and oppressing you in your life this morning, you're going to lay it down. It doesn't have to hold you anymore. You don't have to be stuck in that story anymore. We can dwell with Jesus forever. The resurrected king to build our life in him. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together.